Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Ocho of the Dying Alive podcast. This week, Sidney Crosby's Backhands Only Tour across Western Canada, which has elected him premier and has now left every city in ashes. Uh, Evgeny Malkin's averaging uh, two points a game and nobody cares. Uh, and Latang for Norris is officially a thing. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, as we said, this is the Ocho, episode eight of the Dying Alive podcast. Unofficial check. I'm not sure if this is true, Patrick Damp of the Pens Vlog, but I believe that now we've done more episodes than Rich Miller and I of the Pens Vlog did in totality over a three-year period. I think it might have been. Uh, I'd have to go back and check the record books, but uh, get my people from Guinness on the horn here, and we'll see what's what. Also joining us on the show... Uh, uh, no ice tonight yet. Uh, seems to be laying off the drinks here. Uh, from Pensburg, Mr. Popular, Mike Darnay. Oh, the ice is here. Is it? Is it what are we don't do, worry about what, that. What are we sipping on for the show tonight? We've got a rum and coke. Ways that this podcast has affected my life. I just told Mike before the show, I'm no longer drinking LaCroix. No more cockroach poison for you. Yeah, you guys are in my head. You're jamming me up about it, and I can't, uh, I can't deal with it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I was like trying not to laugh so Mike could like get in there and everybody does voice recognition for who's who and I was just like biting my tongue <laughs> yeah. um, so uh, in essence we'll jump right into it here but we should mention uh, a couple things first number one the Penguins are in fact playing right now um, so if somebody yells out an expletive um, that'll probably be why uh, and then I, the other thing is we have to uh, absolutely get started here with what happened last weekend in Pittsburgh uh, and just the absolutely disgusting, uh, senseless act of violence uh, targeted against a, a very specific community. Um, not what the city's about. That's not going to fly here. Uh, I think uh, I'm, I'm in this mode right now where I'm sad about what happened and then simultaneously proud of the way that um, you know, I think the city has is, is kind of handled it and has is, is rised up against this thing in Pittsburgh by no means is perfect and uh, has its demons. But uh, at the same time, um, you know, this is just is absurd and you, you just hate to see it happen in your community. And I remember, um, you know, go, going back a ways uh, to what Howard Cosell said um, about Pittsburgh uh, in that when you play them, um, them being a sports team, you know, you play the whole city. And, and I feel like right now, uh, hatred, racism and anti-Semitism are unfortunately up against the whole city and uh, will not uh, be victorious there. So if you gentlemen have anything you'd like to add to that, feel free at this time. That was pitch perfect. I got nothing to add. Yeah, the only thing I was going to say was uh, Penguins took donations at the game on Tuesday, and I believe the early total was over $210,000 raised. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's massive. And I, and, you know, I, I, I like it when, you know, these players refer to the city as we, um, you know, I think they're just as much of a, uh, Rob Rossi said on The Athletic that uh, Pittsburgh's the reverse of most North American cities because the real world serves as distraction from the sports teams. Um, and we've kind of seen those roles reversed here, uh, uh, understandably so in the last week. But uh, on a positive note, Penguins went on a trip across Western Canada since the last show um, uh, was posted, uh, and they, they did not lose. This time I can confirm that they did not lose, un- unlike earlier this year when I didn't know what the definition of undefeated was. Um, but Sidney Crosby, absolutely uh, dominant. I mean, look, we've I, I think we've kind of gotten used to him 
performing well uh, in the Canadian road swing. But that, I mean, that was a little bit ridiculous. It was. And does it not seem like the guy knows when he's being talked about as possibly not being the best around anymore? Because as soon as that talk starts, he all of a sudden is like, oh, yeah, by the way, um, still here. Yeah, that uh, I was going to say that road trip uh, was the hottest road trip I've seen since Sherman went through Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) Of all the references. Once again, folks, that'll be it. Uh, Thank you for joining us on episode eight. The show has um, peaked and we are done. (laughs) So, you know, he's Sidney Crosby himself is probably not the most analytical guy in in terms of how when he talks to the media, um, you know, he's not going to. You know, Taylor Hall you and, and get into advanced metrics but one thing he does say a lot in times like these where he's maybe not um, the goals aren't going in is he'll say you know I'm not worried about this I'm uh, going to worry about it when I'm not getting any scoring chances which is something he's always been cognizant of and, and the scoring chances have been there they have um, it was only a matter of time and I said you know I, I thought that when he got one the floodgates were going to open I just didn't think he was going to embarrass a bunch of people at the same time <laughs> that's kind of an yeah, added, so, added, so added no, now, my question to flashback is before the chances started going in, where was he ranking among the league in terms of scoring chances, if you remember? Well, all of the Penguins, ironically enough, are pretty much – they're not as high as you would expect in terms of their expected goals for. I think Evgeny Malkin is the highest on the Penguins, and he's like 50-something in the league. And I think that's I, that's as of like – I looked at this like Friday because um, I, I kind of like expected to pull the data up and be like – find Malkin in the top 10. Um, but no, there's some, like Patrick Kane's up there. There's a lot of good players up there. But um, yeah, so I mean, they're in the middle of the road. Um, as a team, they're really good at creating scoring chances because they get it through all four lines. But like, you don't have anybody like this individual powerhouse that stands out in terms of like expected goals. Now, does that say to you that a lot of the team is contributing towards offense or does it say to you that they're not getting enough offense? Um, well, it says to me that, that the entire team is contributing across the board on offense. And I will add in, and this will be in an article uh, for The Athletic on Friday, uh, there are only two members of the Penguins who have an, a, a realized goals uh, that's lower than what's expected of them. Uh, those two players, they're well, two forwards, let me clarify. One is Riley Sheehan and the other is Derek Broussard. Riley Sheehan is right on the cusp. Um, I think he's like maybe a, a three quarters of a goal off, whereas Derek Broussard is actually five, believe it or not. Uh, so Broussard's uh, a, a minus five on uh, you know actual versus expected goals, but uh, everybody else is in the positive, which says to me that they're they're not only they're, they're scoring at the rate that's expected of them, and and I think the difference is that they're getting it throughout the lineup. I think another important note that we need to make here is the Penguins are not puck possession monsters. Um, I think you can attribute that to two things. One. We know they're a quick strike team. Uh, so when they hit, they hit hard and they hit quick. Um, and two, uh, they've been up a lot, especially on like Western Canadian road trip. There were games that, that got, a, you know, they had a comfortable lead for a while and other teams tend to rack up shots in those situations. So it's a little misleading maybe, but um, I think overall there's nothing that really stands out. It's just good across the board. Yeah, funny, funny enough you would mention that. I was actually reading um, Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts yesterday, and he mentioned uh, there was a story about Crosby in there where they were winning 7 nothing in Calgary, and he came off the ice pissed off because of a bad shift, and he said he hates those kind of games. 
Um, yeah, that's interesting, right? I mean, what do you, what's your takeaway from that, though? That tells you all you need to know about Sidney Crosby. Is yeah. he's he? It doesn't matter to him what the score of the game is, where they are, what the situation is. He one expects himself to be the best of the best at all times, and two, it speaks to what it takes to be an absolute elite talent in this league is that there's no time even in an 82 game season which we'll say you know as a team there's nights it's not going to be there but as an individual if you want to be one of the truly elite talents it needs to be there every night uh are we all in agreement that the best of the goals was the edmonton goal yes okay so nobody's gonna put the the backhander against mike smith I was actually going to. Okay, because I'm having a hard time. I mean, here, here's my here's my uh, hot take on this. I, the, the the goal in Edmonton was a three on three. Not to discredit it, that's still impressive, but it was also against a, a tired forward. So for me, like fresh out of the start of the game against the other team's top line on like an impossible angle backhander, like that to me is almost more impressive. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't argue with any of that. I think my reasoning for it being more impressive against Edmonton is, even though it was a tired player, it was still Ryan Strom was a good player. It wasn't some bomb. Yeah, I have to tell a story if you guys don't mind. Story time with Jesse. I Please was indulge us. <laughs> I was reminded of this by uh, two guys that I played adult league with my whole life, Matt Welch and, and Nick Velke. Uh, shout out to both of them. I know that Nick Velke uh, actually doesn't play goal anymore, so he'll probably be pissed off that I uh, still. Play home as a goalie but his best goalie i ever played with in my life um we called him the franchise uh and our adult league team was called the tiger vikings because half of the team was from moon township pennsylvania the tigers the other half was from hopewell township pennsylvania the vikings and let's be honest i mean if there were vikings that were their tigers that'd be pretty goddamn terrifying you'd shit your pants you'd shit your <laughs> pants over regular vikings and you throw in the fact that they're actual animals come on I mean, no it that's Patrick so Hornquist makes goalies shit their pants. It's like this is a game changer. So uh, we played with a lot of guys, and I won't mention any of them by name, that had a problem shutting up. I'm just gonna be, I'm gonna be honest with you. And I don't think any official uh, in Cranberry ever enjoyed officiating our games because they were total shit shows. And I'll be honest with you, most ninety percent of the time it was our fault. <laughs> like, and I like, you know, like, and I was never the kind of person that was engaged in any of those antics. I was like a potential Lady Bing winner, you know. Like, I like, you know, a lot of the people I was playing against, I knew, you know. But however, however, you had teammates, and you were guilty by association. <laughs> I had teammates, and they just did not shut up. And the nature of the league was such that it always seemed to be a giant disparity in talent. And and we not to say that we were good. I mean, like we played in like one competitive tournament, just got waxed. Like, absolutely waxed. That also, by the way, degenerated into chaos because it couldn't shut up when we were getting waxed. So um, we played this team this one night, and the game had just gotten completely out of hand. Totally out of hand. Um, Score-wise, these guys weren't very good. They probably shouldn't have been in this division. And it, we're talking, like, we didn't lay off. <laughs> Again, the nature of the people I played with is to just rack the score up. So this is like a 7 it's like seven nothing at one point. And you got to pad those stats. You, you can share them on Facebook. Got to pad the stats and share them on Facebook. Um, and we, there's one kid on our team, Zach Flynn, who did keep a running Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> Primarily because he was the best player on the team for a while. So I think he just wanted to like, it was like a self fellation type of thing. But anyway, uh, so the game gets out of hand, and there was there was one kid on our team that screams out from the bench in the 
this is like at the beginning of the third period you gotta play the rest of the game backhands only <laughs> so we tried try to play the, and how insulting is it for these other guys you know what i mean like they're there they're trying to have a good time they're learning the game and you're playing against these dickheads there's some dude on the bench yells backhands only and for the rest of the game everybody and tries to play every you're single probably game. probably still scoring on the backhand um i don't know that we did i'll be honest with you it was kind of if i remember correctly a i did not participate in b i'm pretty sure that everybody was just fairly horrible um uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the story. Well, I mean, I it's just say, one of those weird beer league beer league things that happens. You know, one of those. So, weird, so to like, come full circle, Sidney Crosby could still win the Art Ross backhand backhands only. Yeah, because yeah, and like, I, for and him, I was going to say no, I, it's not an ironic thing. Like it's, I, I was, it's, you know, I, I was going to say <laughs> to bring that full circle and back into Sidney Crosby was I was driving to Bloomington, Indiana this weekend, and on my drive there, very I listened, scenic, by the way, Pat. I'm sure you noticed. Uh, unbelievable! I was on IU's campus, not to be confused. No, with no, my no. Alma I meant mater. the drive there. It's total ass. You missed the whole oh. point. <laughs> getting to the, getting to Indiana is literally like mind. Well, anybody anybody that hasn't driven through the state of Ohio, oh, don't. And let me ask you this, Pat. Not to derail your story, but do, do you also get the sense? That there is like you know how in Pennsylvania every year you have to get your car inspected, right? Yes. Did you get the sense that in Ohio that just doesn't exist? Like you can get the car inspected once and then you never have to do it again. No, you know what I did notice though is apparently there's the this little lever that I guess they don't create in cars in Ohio and Indiana. Uh, you push it down to indicate you're going left and up to indicate you're going right because fucking no one uses them. Nobody has turn signals. They don't have to get their car inspected. So once the lights go out, that's it. Forget it. Yeah, they just just let it it roll. If I had a dollar for every time I saw somebody driving through Ohio with their muffler affixed to the car with a coat hanger, I'd I'd have more money than that guy that hit the Mega Millions. (laughs) But anyway... Yeah, so uh, on, per- my, on, my, on my on my drive through uh, Ohio, which woo, I was listening to American Friedman on Thirty One Thoughts, and Merrick was talking about how in Sid's first couple years when he played with a guy like Gary Roberts and a lot of the early wingers they that he had, they brought up how you always had to have your stick on the ice when you played with Sid because. He could play the game on his backhand better than most players can play it on their forehand. So if you see him in a low percentage area to make a pass on his backhand, you better have your stick on the ice because chances are he's getting it to you. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was I was also just going to say we're on, we're not only talking about backhand goals. We're talking about he's a master of those backhand saucer passes from like twenty five feet away. It's and a work know, of art. And he can, he can no look everything. And that's that's the biggest thing is and it's said by everybody over his 12 to 13 year career now in the National Hockey League is it's not that he's more skilled than everybody. It's that he thinks the game better than everybody. He's and I think it's like watching something like in a time warp, um, like he's operating on like a different plane of existence from everyone else where everything is happening a second or two ahead. And you, uh, which, you, you know what it, what, it, what it reminds me of is um, I'm going to throw it back here on an old school video game when you'd have the slow motion bullet control playing on Max Payne. Oh, I loved that yeah, game. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It's, it's like he's playing in that mode, but nobody else is. Yeah, yeah. And so remember, I think it was NHL 2000 that, you, that would, the game would slow down when you were on a breakaway. Yeah. Yeah, you could click the heartbeat thing. 
you could click the sticks in and it was like clutch time or whatever yeah yeah it was yeah, yeah yeah same thing um just very matrix style stuff and meanwhile <laughs> while all this is going on by the way we got to mention um 23 to 6 goal differential in that four game road trip you're be, you're pretty good i mean you're good to go anytime that that something like that happens um, and and you think five of those six goals were in edmonton yeah mm-hmm. yeah that's a good point um so anyway, moving on, Evgeny Malkin uh, just cracked the top 100 in all time of scoring. We can finally say uh, that the man is a top 100 player of all time. It took him long He's not enough. Mr. 101 anymore. Not Mr. 101 anymore. Um, How badly do you think the people who voted on that regret that decision? Yeah, and it was just a whole thing which just set up so dumb. Um, I don't think they do. I don't think they do regret it. But Duncan yeah. Keith is a top 100 player. It, it, it's it, and I I hate to like get into this but I will real quick is so many of the people that vote on shit like that it's your old boys club Canadian guys who still think like oh these these Russians you know oh, they, these Russians over here they uh, they're real lazy you know like no they're not man like just because you can't understand what they're saying doesn't mean they're wrong yeah and, and this is like probably this is another one of those times where, where like Evgeny Malkin just goes white hot and then you're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, okay. And it happens constantly, but we just completely take it for granted. And because of his size and physical abilities, when he gets white hot, he can take over a game like nobody else. No, there's nobody, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I, I always think that uh, you never make a comparison to Mario Lemieux, right? Because he's a one of a, never, nobody was ever built like that. Nobody could do the things that he could do so surgical and everything and and, and also like simultaneously just so powerful and had such brute strength um but i think malkin to me is the modern is if you you had to make that comparison if you were forced to if you put a gun to my head um malkin is that modern day lemieux i mean i think he has all those same attributes and that same size that's kind of what i was just going to say when crosby takes over a game he does it with skill and thinking the game faster when Malkin decides to take over a game he does it basically with with his size and force yeah um after uh the uh Canadian road trip uh the Penguins uh just got dusted at home against the Islanders um in a game that uh the word frustration got thrown around a lot uh by just about everybody afterwards um at the time of recording it's uh one nil uh Penguins, um, and they, they appear to be trading chances with the Islanders. But uh, what do yeah, you make Dom- it? Do- Dominic Simone with the goal. And, and I don't, for me, that's just a typical home game after a long road trip. I don't know. Maybe that's like uh, confirmation bias on my part, but I feel like that happens all the time. I read something. I can't remember who, can't remember what the numbers were, but I believe it said the Penguins are historically horrific at home in their first game after Western Canadian road trip. And that's not to mention everything else that was going on that night. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the introduction was just downright emotional. Um, I thought it was well, you know, the, 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 the montage was well done. Um, yeah. So, I mean, you can't discount that, that, you know, quote unquote human element at this, you know, at the same time either. That in, in an 82 game season, you're going to have nights like that, whether it be it at home or on the road where, cause you look at the numbers for the most part, and the Penguins were the better team. The puck just didn't go in. Uh, the Islanders capitalized on some chances, and the Penguins just didn't. Yeah. And it, the first 10, 15 minutes of the first period, it looked like the Penguins were going to run them out of the building, and 
somehow they were down two nothing. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's not going to get any after. Well, you know the Islanders, you know they're they're a Barry Trotz coach team. I think we we can say that much having watched them. But the amount of times they played off the counter in that game, um, yeah, it's just from their defensive setup. So, um, do, do you think an- that do you think that the Islanders' current personnel, given the fact that they lost John Tavares, given the fact that they signed basically only third line players, do you think Barry Trotz is the perfect coach to get the most out of a lineup like that? Yeah, and I think that third line players is probably too complimentary of a lot of the guys that they signed. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I do, I, mean, I, I do, and and you know, it's it's it leaves a sour taste in my mouth, and I don't want to disparage the work of Lou Lamorello, but making guys change their numbers, like the, the no yeah. hair rule, that's just so stupid. I'm sorry, it's so dumb. I can't stand that. I yeah, it's it's just. I don't get it. You're you're pro athletes. You're in the entertainment business, and that's what you're doing. Yeah, and and it's about as dumb as John Tortorella not playing some of his best players because of their contractual status. <laughs> what did I miss? Yeah, I, I have no idea what what that's about. He made a con. He made a comment about Bobrovsky's playing time in relation to his contractual status. It was very vague and kind of weird, but um, you know. yeah. Yeah. Jesse, I have a question. Yeah. Crystal Tang for Norris. Hey, driving the. I'm on this. I'm the conductor of this train. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I bought my ticket and I'm sitting on. I'm sitting in, uh, assuming coach, given my financial obligations. But I'm on this train. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I, yeah. I mean, for me, um, you're talking about defensemen at the top of the list so far this season. And realize it's only October, and or ten games in. Um. um but yeah, for me, that's it's a no-brainer. I, even though it is October, well, it's now November, uh, ten games in, I don't think it's unreasonable to discuss it because we do have to remember this is a league where uh, people who voted on it basically decided they wanted to gift the award to Drew Doughty and did so. Yeah. Um. And it, that's and it is such a reputation thing sometimes, right? I mean. Let's be honest. So and so deserves one, and then all of a sudden, the next thing you know, you know, that's what that's what they get, whether they were good or not. So that and then, said, I, though, go ahead. That said, though, Jamie Alexiak has more points than Eric Carlson in less games. So <laughs> somebody uh, tweeted me today, and um, I, I only read the first part of their tweet that mentioned the Norse like tr- like. Carlson in the Norse Trophy, and then it said Alexiak right after, and I was like, ah, I was seriously <laughs> responded to this. Hey, Jamie Alexiak, though, shout out to Jamie Alexiak because he has been phenomenal. I'm sorry, I think I think getting him out of that just uber restrictive Dallas system, um, the environment there wasn't really all that good for him, and he kind of got stuck in that like weird thing that happens to guys like Daniel Sprong, where it's like we don't know what to do with you. Um, so, so you so you end up playing for seven minutes, right? Yeah, and then the Penguins brought him here, and they're like, "Be free." He's got he's <laughs> got a good, and he has a good shot. <clears throat> yeah, he has a good yeah. shot, and he simplifies his game a lot, which for his size and the way he plays is ideal is an ideal fit for the system in which he's a part of now. To where all he has to do is make a simple decision with the puck, or just put it to the net. Stereotypically speaking, you know, we have a tendency to like shit on defensemen that are really good in front of the net because most of the time they're not good at a lot of other things. Um, but this is not one of those situations. So Jamie Oleksiak, I think, uh, for my money anyways, he's been pretty good 
uh, in the battle areas. He's been good in front of his own net. He's jumping into the play. And I'm surprisingly mobile enough to not get burned by it. Yeah, for a guy who's that big, he moves well. Yeah. Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with a guy who's good in front of the net. But if that's the only thing he brings to the table, then that's an issue. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, and it, 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 you know, again, this is a situation where I just think, you know, common sense deployment and a system that fits the skill set is that was the remedy needed in this situation. And again, not look, I, I'm not going to discount Sergey Gonchar and, and Jacques Martin and Mike Sullivan, but um, a large part of it is just having confidence in somebody and allowing them to play to their strengths. Absolutely. We kind of got into it last week a little bit, but now that we have all three of us here, especially more so that we just want to hear what you think, Jesse, but what through 10 games are you thinking was sprung? Not good. Not good enough. Sorry. Like, I know he's not being deployed in a, in a super positive role, but the fourth line doesn't play any differently than the top line. I mean, aside no, from I, talent level, talent level is the obvious. I agree with you. I mean, I don't know like, off the top of my head what his ice time numbers have been recently, but he's not taking advantage of whatever minutes he's being given. No, not at all. Um, and I've just been unimpressed from – we mentioned earlier, uh, you know, an expected goals for versus a realized goals for uh, situation. Um, you know, Sprong um, is actually um, outperforming expectation, but when you look at his data individually speaking, he's not contributing to much of it. Um, so, in a lot of ways, you know, there's some coattail riding. And I don't want to discount, he had a lot of assists at the beginning of the year. That was a big part of it. Um, but uh, the, the, the trend, the arrow, to quote Mike Tomlin, is pointing in the wrong direction. It is. Uh, I, I agree with you that he hasn't taken, uh, was Mike said, he hasn't taken advantage of what he's been given. And that's a huge thing. Uh, I had a nice discussion on Twitter last week with Jeff of the Pens blog. You had and, a nice uh, discussion on Twitter? Yeah, that was I my did. takeaway wow. immediately. I did. I Who did the hell were you talking to? Somebody, somebody asked, me, uh, asked me, it was actually a listener. Uh, I can't remember your name. I'm so sorry. But basically asked me like, what would you do differently with Sprong? And I said, there really isn't much else to do. And then I linked to one of uh, Jeff's recaps where he basically brought up that Sprong hasn't really done anything to deserve higher line deployment. And the people on the higher lines haven't had a reason to be demoted. And they kind of got it. They asked me as well, like, is that something to be said about the Penguins developmental system? And it's not just because this is how it works sometimes. Sometimes a guy like Brian Rust comes up through the ranks and surprises everybody and finds himself on the first or second line. Same thing with a guy like Connor Sherry or Jake Gensel. And then there's times where it just doesn't work. You know, Sometimes there's a Eric Tangrady who we all think was gonna be the next big thing, but when he gets to the NHL, it just doesn't work for some reason. Not so fast, my friend, to quote Lee Corso. Um, yeah, so do we have any, uh, before we move on, do we have any uh, tidbits from around the National Hockey League that we'd like to touch on? Um, surprisingly, uh, enough, surprisingly. Tom Wilson's suspension was upheld by Gary Bettman. Yeah, although was, the NHLPA's argument of. Uh, uh, oh, it was so bad. So bad. Well, he put his head on uh, the ladder. And he, he did appeal further to an independent arbitrator. Um, Hopefully the independent arbitrator puts him in jail. 
<laughs> I mean, at yeah, this the, point, he's just trying to get his money back, right? I was going to say, that's the thing. By the time the, the arbitrator's statement came out saying the appeal has been heard, it may be some time before the results are announced, his suspension will probably be over by the time it's announced. So at that point, he's just going to recoup dollars. Which, you know what, in that regard, I don't fault him for because no, he's forfeiting He's forfeiting a lot of money. We would all do it. You know you would. I haven't tried to kill anybody before. Mike getting, ang- Mike getting angry can only mean one thing, gentlemen. Yes, it can. Oh, but there is one other thing I want to touch on before we get to what oh, Mike oh, getting yes. angry means. Uh, it's something that hasn't happened yet. Uh-oh. It's in the process. Um, the NHL agreed to hear Slava Voinov's oh, yeah. appeal for reinstatement. They put out as most of as much of a straight line comment as they could as saying they're doing a investigation and they're going to send it to Bettman when it's done and he'll make his decision then uh, let me save you guys the trouble the answer should be looking at the facts of Slava Voinov's case his conviction as well as his deportation his reinstatement has been denied thank you yeah yeah I, I don't think the NHL does a lot of things smart um, I don't if anything really I, I don't think Gary Bettman is a good commissioner for the league. He's a good commissioner for the owners who want to make money. Um, but when it does come to hearing appeals and things, he is a lawyer and he does tend to address them very legally by the book as a judge might. So I like to think they might get this one right. I don't know. It, it's it, it's I swear to God, I'm just going to like get this tattooed on me at this point because I've said it like every week of this show. Hopeful, not optimistic. Yeah. My life motto. So. <laughs> so, Mike, do you want to get into uh, reader correspondences? I would love to get into reader correspondences. Um, I'm going to address one question for you, Jesse, first that was brought up last week. Um, is there a specific game that got you interested into being a Penguins fan? I only ask this because I feel like you might have a good story to come with it. Might as well drop the Jeopardy music here. Um, I can't actually you know do that. What? We'll get we'll get I copyright. Would go, um, <laughs> I would go with uh, Game Six against Minnesota. Okay, I, I figured you would have an answer, so I wanted to. Yeah, I, it. here's the thing: is like I don't remember anything before that. You know, um, I wasn't allowed to stay. That was Central Time, the away games. Mm-hmm. So uh, I wasn't allowed to stay up for most of them. And, and, uh, and it's it's funny how you have a specific threshold back in your memory. Like you remember your first game you went to, but you can't remember anything before that or first game you watched or whatever. Yeah. Like I have no recollection of anything prior to that point, but my dad used to write um, box scores for me throughout the game. So when I woke up in the morning, if the game was in Central or Western time, I wasn't going to watch it. So because um, I was like six at the time or seven. So he would write the box score out and like a, and, a like a two sentence synopsis. And that's um, when the love of stats started, baby. Yeah. So uh, I, but I remember uh, I remember being allowed to watch Game Six um, because you know it was that uh, shape. A week ago, in advance for this week, um, what was your best Halloween costume you've ever had? When I was younger, uh, my mom bought this fake flesh, um, and using that fake flesh and tinfoil, 
she fabricated a Terminator mask for me. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. That's a, like a sick. Sweet leather jacket and like sunglasses. That was that was like peak Halloween for me. One of the best ones I ever had was the year I was in grad school at IUP. Myself, my three roommates, and two of our friends. I was Pac Man, and they were the ghosts. And every time a certain song would play around our house, I would chase them around and like push them into a room <laughs> as if they were uh, the blue ghosts when you get the big circle in Pac-Man. That's awesome. I, uh, I'm i not a Halloween guy, so I don't honestly have an answer. Mm. Never even did Halloween as a kid. just wasn't my thing. Really? really? Yep. That's crazy not, to me. I would not have expected that out of you, Mike. What, what was it that like turned you off to Halloween? I don't know. I just never, never happened as a kid, and then I never. It's the same reason I never watched Star Wars. It just never happened, so I'm not going to start now. Yeah. <laughs> but you didn't like get all like jellied up whenever like your friends would have all that candy. You were never like, oh, I can't stand this. No. Nah. Uh. Whatever. Uh, <clears throat> Jeff Phillips, if you could acquire any defenseman, removing whomever you want to help improve this decor, who would you go after? I mean, I'm, I'm going to preface, this isn't his caveat, but I'm going to say it has to be somebody that's able to be acquired. You can't just say Eric Carlson. Yeah, I think somebody tweeted back at him, too, and said that they were like, someone was like, well, obviously it's Eric Carlson. He's like, like, it well, should be somebody who's on the trade block or a upcoming free agent or whatever. The guy I wanted initially when the Jack Johnson's talk started before he was signed was the guy I wanted them to target was Calvin DeHaan. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't, it's not super realistic, but like I'm a huge Josh Morrissey fan. That'd be a good one. That'd be a yeah. really good one. Um, I'm going to have an interesting answer here. The answer is Justin Schultz. Ah. He's going to be coming back right before the trade deadline. Yeah. True. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Jason asks best. <laughs> Mike, you broke up there. What was the question? Oh, uh, best Thanksgiving side dish from Jason. Hmm. Best side dish. Mashed potatoes, man. Stuffing. Yeah, so I gotta go stuffing. That's just a mistake. I'm sorry if it, you're it, wrong. Yeah, it's it's okay to be wrong sometimes, Jesse. Stuffing is so inferior to mashed potatoes. I don't I don't even know how somebody in their right mind has that opinion. I actually I never said I didn't like mashed potatoes. The question is best Thanksgiving side dish. Yeah. Turkey and mashed potatoes are like the, the merry duo that owns Thanksgiving. Yeah, I'm going to counter first. with turkey and stuffing. <laughs> Whatever. You, you throw, it's also Thanksgiving. I'm not limiting myself to turkey and one other thing. I'm like bringing up a plate that like is probably going to also be a workout to carry back to the table. Right. Yeah, so you have yeah. pick one thing out of all of those, and on Thanksgiving you're picking stuffing? If I'm gonna if I'm at a Thanksgiving where I can only pick turkey and one other thing, I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm going somewhere else for Thanksgiving. Like, wait, you got, you guys have a limit on what I can eat here? <laughs> See ya. Yeah, that's that's. Uh, I expect to be asleep by the third quarter. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, Devin asks, "What is your favorite place slash activity?" to show friends who visit Pittsburgh from out of town other than Spence? I would probably go with a toss-up between 
the obvious, which is Mount Washington, because that view is obviously stereotypical and incredible. And right, before you before you give your second, here's why I'm going to tell you that you're wrong. Oh, the West End Overlook is by and large at least ten times better than Mount Washington. West End Overlook gets no love, and shout out West End Craft and Ingram. I was going to say, I know Jesse what, is a former West End guy. What, what's good, Craft and Ingram? It, do, yeah. it I can't disagree with you on that one. It it it's, is probably better. It's better. It's more quaint. There's very few times there's people up there. It's just. And it's a better angle, better view. I'm actually I'm full on with Mike here. Pat's a stupid idiot. Like, uh, <laughs> I feel that's like, not news. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel I, like part of the, I, oh go no go ahead. Say part of the charm, or maybe all of the charm, is the fact that you're driving up through the West End. You're in the city. You make a couple turns. You park your car, and you're like, okay, it says I'm here, but. It doesn't look like I'm here. And then you walk up into the the park, and then all of a sudden the view comes out at you from nowhere. Yeah, just don't go between the hours of 4 and 6.30 because the commute in that area is just like a nightmare. Yes, and don't go on the 4th of July unless you feel like setting up about five hours ahead of time. Yeah, that's also true. Um, you know, I, I, I hate to be like such a homer for the Strip District, but that's like my go-to. That's a good one. You got, you got the History Museum. You got Woolies, which is an, ex- an experience in and of itself. You have an opportunity to go in there and see if you can catch Mr. Woolly on the lobster megaphone. Has anybody ever seen that before? I have not. No, uh, let me, me tell you a story. Either. So, Because uh, I worked in the strip for years. Um, and Robert Woolley would stand on the sidewalk. Okay, And he'd have a megaphone. So he'd hold the megaphone with his left hand. And it was there was a cord. And attached to the cord was a plastic lobster. <laughs> and, and Mr. Oh Woolley, if you don't know, is very like friendly, eccentric, and he would just stand out there and try to convince people to come into Woolies. And like he would comment, he'd be like, "Hey, you, Miss America, like <laughs> we got fish, like you know, like that's hey, awesome, little boy, little boy, we got chicken fingers, like you know." And it's just like he's the greatest guy. So um, he would, yeah, you get a chance to see lobster phone. You can't miss that. Man, that's a good one. That's yeah. a good one. It's like a quintessential uh, Pittsburgh story, too. Yeah, yeah, it really is. Uh, let's see what we got here. Uh, Bioshock asked, what was the last book slash movie slash game franchise world you became completely engrossed in? That one's a toss-up for me. Breath uh, of he the did, Wild. He, he, he did follow up by saying uh, one that you got so engrossed in that you went to research other facts about the world. Oh, okay. You know what, then? I'm going to go... I was a I was a Game of Thrones late bloomer. Okay. So I didn't start watching Game of Thrones until prior to season six. So um, that was way what a year well, it's like two years ago now. So I binged it all at once, um, just outright, and um, like started reading the books and, and like getting really involved in the subreddit and like all this other shit. So um, I mean, I would say that, but video game wise, it was 100% Breath of the Wild. Yeah, I would say for me probably probably Grand Theft Auto Five. That's a that's that's another. The, Grand Theft Auto Five was just so much fun. Whether you were playing it single player or you were playing it online, um, it was so fun. It was so fun. I played the whole game and then rebought it on the PS4 and replayed it. Yeah, no, that yeah, and uh, we had a clan um, online. 
Um, and we actually had someone on Reddit vector the advice dog image. Um, you know, like that happy, happy Labrador, like the stupid mm-hmm. video. And that yeah. was the logo on all of our vehicles and all of our clothes was the advice dog. <laughs> so realistic. So short story again, one night uh, there was a glitch when online initially rolled out. And in single player, there was a, a dune buggy you could get. And it, it looked like an X-Wing almost um, and it had Christmas lights on it. And it was only in single player, but people found a way to glitch the dune buggy into online, right? Rockstar quickly caught on to this um, and, and undid the glitch. But for a period of time, you could go through this arduous process that took a very long time to glitch the dune buggy into Grand Theft Auto. And it really wasn't worth it. I'll be honest with you. Like, we didn't even try because, <laughs> like, there's so many other cool things I could be doing. Why the hell would I sit around wasting my time taking all these steps for a goddamn dune buggy? So, um, we're driving around, me and all my um, crew members, one night, one day doing missions. And these guys in the public lobby are going through the glitch process. And we kind of like stop and they glitch the dune buggy into the game. Um, and we take it. <laughs> we just took it. We drove it to our garage and got it painted so it became ours. And these guys were just so pissed off. They had invested so much time glitching this dune buggy in online and we just took it. And then, like, there were like six of us and two of them, so there was nothing they could do about it. Like, they're just like completely outnumbered. And uh, I don't care. I don't care how old you get. Pissing people off online on video it games. Never, oh, it's it's get, so it never fun. gets old. It never gets old. Yeah. Uh, uh, continue with the questions. Yeah, I was, okay, uh, was going to say for oh, mine. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, Pat. Nobody cares. My, yeah, you guys, I was going to say, was, <laughs> you t- Jesse took my TV one, which was Game of Thrones, like yeah. full on on that. And then video game is probably Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, the pirate one. like Whipping that boat. Dude. I was like, I would, I would lose days to that game. Like, I would like play, start playing at ten in the morning, and like look at my watch and be like, huh, it's uh, midnight. I should probably get some sleep. Um, I actually, to the Game of Thrones thing again, I actually stopped listening to the Men in Blazers podcast, which is a Premier League podcast, because they they uh, put out a Game of Thrones spoiler, um, and I wasn't caught up yet at that point. And I was like, that's it. I'm never listening to this show again. I, I, yeah. angrily, I actually angrily tweeted about them about it. I was like, you, I was like, you guys are complete assholes. Um, so, yeah. Anyway. Uh, let's see. Morgan asks if you – okay. This is a complicated question. My friend of the pod, Morgan. If your five-year-old self suddenly found themselves <laughs> inhabiting your current body, what would your five-year-old self do first? Well, I'm the same height as I was at that age, so <laughs> – you not – um, let's see. What would I probably do first? I'd probably go to the grocery store and buy as many fruity pebble boxes as I possibly could. Fruity pebbles and I'd probably bust um, out the Super Nintendo too. And well, not shark, sure. I mean, Super Nintendo didn't even exist then. What am I talking about? I was gonna say go buy all the shark fruit snacks. You oh my god! Oh my god! Shark Mark. fruit snacks, dude. How good were the Great Whites? <laughs> when you got a pack oh. that had more than one great white in it, it was oh like God, it was heaven. Christmas, and then the hammerheads get out. Get oh my God! Out. 
Oh this my food God. podcast just gets better and better. I would it pay a hundred dollars for one pack of those right now. <laughs> right. Yeah, you know what? Right now, if I if they could be delivered in this door, I would take it. I would I would have Amazon just drone this shit out of my house. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it would probably be like same thing as you guys, like go to the store and buy some food that like I could only get a limited amount of through my parents. I'd stay up real late. <laughs> <laughs> Like ten o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> what else we got there, Mike? Michael asks, "Are sorts tattoos crazy?" We lo- we've we've lost Mike. Oh, uh, are sports tattoos crazy or just dedicated? I contemplated it, so I'm not going to say crazy. I don't. Let me be clear. I don't have any tattoos. Like I have obsessive compulsive disorder. Bad idea to get a tattoo when you have OCD. Like just. I am. I'm in. Because the the odds are, in like five months, you'll be like, "What the was I doing? Like, why did I do this? Like, yeah, I've never done it, and I probably never will. But if I had considered getting a penguin's tattoo before. Yeah, I don't have any related (laughs) or otherwise, so I don't really. I'm not the best judge on this one. Yeah, I, I have one, and I also considered a sports one, so I can't call it crazy. But I will put the caveat on that it depends on what the tattoo is of. What is your yeah. tattoo, Pat? I have a tattoo on my left bicep that says it's the number one and then and the number zero. And it was it's a tribute to my dad who passed away in August 2009. Uh, myself and a lot of the guys that I played with, played hockey with from the time we were like little kids all the way through high school, my dad coached a core of about, I think it was eight or nine of us. And our last two years, our team motto was one and oh, and it meant win every shift, win every period so we can win every game. Just take it one at a time, one and oh, one and oh, win every battle. And when he passed away, a bunch of us in the coming two, three years after 2009 got the same tattoo, but in different places. So I got mine in 2010 and a bunch of guys got it around 2011 as well. That's a good story. and I'm glad I asked. Yeah, I agree. Well, thanks, guys. At least yeah. I'm not going to get roasted the entire time, no. which I think I, I think I have. I think I have an episode title, and I think it's going to be Pat's a dumb idiot. <laughs> uh, we got any other ones, Mike? Uh, that is it for this week. Mm. Um, I don't even want to talk about the Premier League. I'm so disgusted. If you want to like do a Liverpool thing, Mike, feel free. I'm just going to sit this one out. Uh, all I will say is. <laughs> It's that gets that bad. They're still very good. I did have a good laugh this morning, though. I was reading through my normal news feed before story that was titled, Can Anyone Catch Manchester City This Season? And I will look at the standings, and they're tied in points. Yeah, so that's interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, the Steelers play the Ravens this week. They do. It's Ravens week. Do we have a prediction for that? Uh, my prediction is they play better than they did last time they played the Ravens, which was Not funny hope. enough. That was when I went to bedtime at halftime. Yeah. Let's hope for no bedtime at halftime this time. Yeah, that'd be nice. Um, 
Coming up, the Penguins have Toronto Saturday, Hockey Night in Canada. Um, so that'll be good. And then the Devils on Monday. Um, so that will be what we will be catching up on in addition to the Knights Islanders game uh, when we have our next podcast. Um, Does anybody have anything to plug? Yeah, tomorrow we're going to talk about Evgeny Malkin on The Athletic. Okay. Going to plug for our boy Peep, friend of the pod. Peep. He had a tremendous throwback Thursday today on Penn's blog about the Penguins and Islanders brawls from 2011. Oh, wow. Yeah, I was thinking about that today, actually, ironically enough. What a time. Um, what a yeah, time. I was thinking about how Trevor Gillies mocked a guy who had... It was just, Eric Tangrady, right? Yeah. It was. Eric Tangrady. And Michael, and Michael Haley fight, fought Brent Johnson. Yeah. And the funny thing about all that was that, like, Rick DiPietro was a willing participant in the first fight. <laughs> if you go back and watch that video of that fight, DiPietro thinks it's, like, some big joke. Like, oh, we're going to have a fun little goalie fight here. And Brent Johnson was like, uh-uh, buddy. Brent, like, Johnson, went, s- Brent Johnson went full Ray Emery. You can see it when they, like, go to lock up. Like, DiPietro has this big shit-eating grin on his face. Like, he thinks this is going to be a fun little thing. And Johnson just... Bam. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, thanks again for joining us on the uh, Dying Alive podcast and for um, suffering through life with us. Uh, and we will be back next week for uh, the ninth episode. Thank you. See ya. See you guys. Mm-hmm.